Good morning. That was weak and pitiful. Good morning. That was slightly better. Thank you. Um, Man, I'm so excited to be here this morning and to meet with you guys. So excited to just open this word with you. Um, But this morning, I I just want to say, um, man, I just feel like a special weight on this this morning. Um, I'm going to read this verse later, but I just I just want you to hear it this morning. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, regarding them, them being people that don't know Jesus, it says, the God, little g, of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, people that don't know Jesus, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And I know you're like, man, that's not a revival verse this morning, but I just want you to know what we're praying against this morning is that spiritual blindness. This morning, we're going to talk about the gospel, and and, and I know through the power of God, he's going to allow that to be presented in such a way that if, if, there, are an un, if there were an unbeliever here, and I, I know there are, that this morning their eyes could be opened if it weren't for this blindness. So I just, I just want to pray against that spiritual blindness this morning, and I want you to maybe enter into that with me. And if you're here this morning and you know, like I've heard the gospel a million times and I just don't get it, maybe today for you, you can pray, God, open my eyes that I can see. And I know he'll do it. So this morning, let's just pray together, and then we're going to get into the message. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you do. God, this morning, I'm just praying against that spiritual blindness, God, this morning. I know that your word is powerful, and it is enough, and it, it, is, it is more than adequate this morning to do exactly what it says it will do. But God, this morning, I know that there is an enemy, there is a force that is against anybody hearing and receiving this. And this morning, Jesus, I'm just praying that it won't be by our might, it won't be the try to preach harder, and it won't be the try to play harder mentality that wins out this morning, but it'll be a mentality that says, we are inadequate, but your word is adequate. So Jesus, remove the veil this morning. God, if there's somebody in this place that doesn't know you, Jesus, I pray today that you'll just lift that veil. God, that you'll open their eyes, that you'll remove that spiritual blindness that the enemy has set over their life. And this morning, they can hear your word like they've never heard it before. Maybe intellectually, they even see, and maybe they even prayed before, God, save me. But they know in their heart it's never happened. And God, this morning, it's not their fault. It's the enemy. And God, this morning, I pray that you'll just break that spiritual blindness just like you did over and over again when you were walking on this planet, that you would just touch some eyes this morning. And you would just open them. God, we love you, and we thank you, and we believe, and we can feel it. This morning's going to be a special morning. We love you for it. We thank you for it. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And good morning. Um, I love it when God's people just pray. Uh, It's so good. This morning, we're going to be in Ephesians 2. So if you have your Bible, I'll give you a minute to kind of get there. I'm excited about it. I'm going to tie this because I'm so excited I may fall. And it's going to bother Nick the whole time. He'd already spotted it, hadn't he? He'd seen it. Um. Um, man, just so good to be in the house of God this morning. So excited um, to, to start reading the scripture with you guys. Uh, we started a series last week called The Good News. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the good news. I don't know about you, but I'm a fan of the good news. I think when we hear that, we automatically go to what? 
what we think of. Come on, somebody. The gospel, yeah, the good news, literal translation, right? The gospel means the good news. And I think we've heard it so many times. What we think that means is the good news for us. The good news that we talk about in these four walls, the good news that the church kind of huddles up and huddles over and we don't really ever do anything with, and that's not the good news. See, news by definition uh, is, is a little something greater than that. I have the definition for news for you, actually, just so we'll know it. It's coming to you. Don't have that one? Okay, we had the definition for news, um, and news basically is just something that's noteworthy. It's noteworthy information that uh, is, is important enough to share. That's the kind of quick definition of news. Um, but that's what it is. News is noteworthy information that is important enough to share. In the gospel, the good news is, guess what? Noteworthy information that's important enough to share. We actually have, what, like TV channels dedicated to the news, these broadcasts that get the news out there, the important, relevant information, the noteworthy information out there. We have news papers. I don't know if anybody gets those anymore, but I know they used to, right, deliver those. People will look up stuff on the internet now. You just Google it, but they used to have newspapers, right? It's archaic things, and it was this, um, I don't even know how to describe paper. Maybe somebody has some if you've never seen it, um, but it's this, it's this material that you can write on, and then you can distribute that as, as you will, right? Uh, it's weird, but it, it exists. Uh, my Bible has some in there. Um, maybe yours does if you have an old people Bible like me, um, but, but paper, paper would write on it, and they used to just write news on it, and then they would deliver it to people's doors, and they would actually like go outside and get it. I know it's weird, and they would pop it open, and they would read all the important information information for the day and you guys that are younger than that are like that's really weird I just like pull up this electronic device and then pop in some stuff and then there it is right there on the screen for me and that's news too <laughs> but we we kind of live around news news is an important thing we 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 want to get that information out there and the good news is no different it's no different the only difference is Jesus didn't create broadcasting stations to get it out there, right? There's like TBN. I know it kind of does the thing, but I don't know that, that Jesus invented that right after the cross. Like that's not necessarily the tool that he chose to get the good news out there. And I know Lifeway has some books and some magazines and things like that, and they get the good news out there. But that was not like Jesus' chosen tool to get the good news out there. Actually, he left that mission to us to the church, to you and me. We're Jesus' chosen broadcasting tool for the good news. And I know what we think that means is like we're going to come to church and we're going to talk about the good news or maybe like we'll, if we're really radical, we'll gather around the table at home and we'll talk about the good news. And, and the good news is good for us, but it was never meant just for us. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks is this news is important and it's noteworthy and it's worthy to be shared. But if we're going to talk about that and talk about sharing it, I think it's important that we all are on the same page with what the good news is. And this morning we're going to talk about that in Ephesians chapter 2. I think for me it's one of my favorite sections of sharing the good news. Ephesians is a letter to the church written at Ephesus by a man named Paul. You may have heard of him, you maybe have not heard of him, but Paul, he's a pretty cool guy. He wrote a lot of the last half of the book that maybe you hold in your hand or you have on your phone. Um, Paul wrote a lot of letters to churches, to groups of people like us who would kind of huddle together in a room or a building or a basement, and they would talk about the good news. They were believers, people that 
believed in Jesus that would come together and and he wrote these letters and these letters would be circulated throughout the churches and eventually they found their way into this book which is a collection of letters and stories and books about what God has done and Ephesians 2 uh, is a letter written to the church at Ephesus about how to live out this Christian life and I love chapter 2 because chapter 2 is a very clear representation of the gospel story the good news Um, It's probably one of my favorite representations of the gospel story, the good news. And I think it's amazing because it's in a letter written to the church. I think so many of us, we we get saved, right? A little church, throw a little church word in there. We get saved, we come down front, we pray that prayer, and then we get up, and we think we've graduated the good news, right? Like, we're done with that. Thank you, we got it. We got our education in the good news, our little Christian diploma, and we're ready for more, right? We're ready for, like, Christian college. We're ready for, like, uh, learning how to be good parents and and what bad parents look like. We're ready for, like, learning how to live out this faith. And, And I believe that's true, but it's amazing to me that even in a, group of people that would be the church right group of people that have graduated the good news that Paul here finds it necessary to clearly define what the gospel story is and I think what that means for us today is you never graduate the good news if you're good if you're too good for the good news maybe you need to go back and you need to start over because this is the foundational point of our life in Jesus And I don't ever want to get away from that. It's like building a pyramid upside down. It's not going to work out well if we get away from the good news. So in Ephesians 2, here Paul is writing a letter to the church. And he starts with um, just a clear definition of what the gospel is. And the cool thing is, is he doesn't just start at, here's what Jesus did. He starts at what we were before Jesus. See, the truth of it is this morning, the good news wouldn't be so good if we weren't living in the bad. Amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Brad. Um, the good news wouldn't be so good if we weren't living in the bad. To, to know the, and experience the good news, it's important for us to know that we are living in the bad news, or some of us are. Maybe, uh, maybe all of <laughs> like uh, heaven forbid, but maybe all of us are. I don't know about anybody but me, but, but what I know this morning is that we all start in the same spot. There's nobody that was born saved. If that's your testimony, your testimony's false. I love you enough to tell you that. There's nobody that was born saved. That's just not how it works. It starts off in Ephesians 2, and Paul's like, let me just share the bad news with you. You'll never understand grace until you understand the depth of our deprivation. He says, and you were dead. That was you. That's a revival verse right there. You're like, I don't feel revived. Well, you just wait. It's coming. But you got to understand this before you understand the rest. You were dead. You weren't bad. You weren't misinformed. You weren't innocent. You're not a victim here. You were dead, and you were dead, look at this, because of your trespasses and sins. Now, I think we have the definition of trespasses up there. Trespasses is our trespass is to commit an offense against a person, person here being God, or a set of rules, rules being the law. And it even says that to trespass, if you think about it, like trespassing on someone's property is to trespass or to pass boundaries that have been set in place. But God stepped in, right, and he put up these boundaries first on our heart, and then he eventually delivered them because our hearts weren't working very well uh, in, in stone on a mountain. There was this thing called the law, the Ten Commandments, and it's just what we should do and what we should not do, what God declares good, what God declares bad. And, and it says that we were dead because we had passed these boundaries. And it, it sin is another one, these trespasses and sin. Sin is a, an immoral act considered to be a transgression 
against divine law, that a sin is just an immoral act against the law of God. kind of says the same thing twice if you think about it. Trespasses, not necessarily immoral. Sins, actually very immoral. And it says we were dead because of our trespasses and our sins. That's just reality today. You started life dead. It's true. You're like, no, I just wasn't here. No, you, you were dead. You're like, no, 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 no. They smacked me and I cried. I <laughs> People tell me about it. I was not born dead. They didn't defibrillate me back in. No, you were born dead. Not physically. You maybe had a heartbeat. Hopefully you did. If not, you do now, so it's better. Right? You, you had breath in your lungs, or at least you do now because you're here. But he's not talking about physical death. Maybe we started life physically, right? But we started life spiritually dead. You're like, that wasn't fair. I hadn't had the opportunity to sin yet. No, but you were going to. Um, and then you did, and you like ratified that decision, Right? You became spiritually dead. You were born into sin. You, you were born into sin. And because of that, you died. I think this is so critical today because I think for a lot of us, we get in our heads that sin came to make us bad people. And that's just not the truth of it today. Sin didn't come to make you a bad person. That's a side effect of sin, right? Maybe, maybe your sin makes you a bad person, but sin came to make you dead. I think it says in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is what? Death. That through our sin, we earned death. See, it's so critical today because I think if we get that mixed up, what we do is we talk ourselves into the way to being saved or the way to being with Jesus is to be a better person. And that's not true at all. You see, the truth of it is if sin just came to make us bad, we could just moral ourselves out of bad, right? We could just kind of come along the way and we could build up our life and we could become good people. It's possible for an immoral person to become a moral person, but it is not possible today for a dead person to become a live person. That's not how that works without assistance, divine assistance from somebody else. A dead person will always be a dead person. Dead people can't grab the paddles, right, and defibrillate themselves back into life. It's not like, I'm dead. Clear. You can't do that because you're dead. Dead people can't grab the little oxygen bag. I don't know what that's called, but there's medical people here. You can do it later. You can ask them. But the little bag thingy, and you can't just squeeze that and and bring your lungs back into action. You can't do that because dead people are dead people without divine assistance. You can't do anything about it. So the problem is not sin came to make us bad. If that was the problem, we'd be having a great day. Sin came to make us dead. Because of our sin, we started out in death. That's the bad news today. Sin makes you dead. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you previously walked. I love that word previously because it doesn't mean today, does it? (laughs) Thank you, Brad. Um, No, it doesn't mean today, does it? Do you think about any of this stuff when we read it? Like, it doesn't mean today. Previously walk means past tense. We used to walk in our trespasses and our sins when we were dead. Let me just insert this for free here today. If you're still walking in, living in, you can change that word walks for lives, right? I don't know how to step in sin, but, but, uh, but I know how to live in it. And if you still live in sin, there's a possibility, and it's, it's a high percent chance today, I would just say, like 100 If you're still choosing sin, you're probably dead in Christ. Because here it says to the church, hey, people that know Jesus, you were dead, revival verse, and you had earned it. 
because you were choosing sin and you walked in it according to the worldly age or what everybody else was doing according to the ruler there's a guy of the atmospheric domain atmosphere what is that it's the area we live in right it's the thing that goes between the earth and the stars like that's the atmosphere it's this bubble of air that we breathe and the ruler of that we would think right all authority Jesus but Jesus actually um, I think it's in John 12 31 I'm throwing that out there right google it later I could be wrong um, calls Satan actually the ruler of this age and, and there's another verse, and just I read it for you earlier, right, in Second Corinthians 4, 4, Paul says regarding them unbelievers, the God, little g, of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Well, who would do that? Who would do that? Satan, obviously, right? So Paul talks about ruler of the atmospheric domain ruler of this worldly age as satan and jesus talks about the ruler of this age as satan so we can assume here as paul writes in this verse when he says that you still walk according to the ruler of the atmospheric domain what he's saying here is you were under the power of satan that you were in captivity, actually, to the enemy. That you weren't just out there free agent doing your thing, living it up kind of in the middle, in this gray area that we like to make up. You were, you're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. And everything that's against Jesus is over here in, in, under the power of Satan land. And he says the spirit now working, still today working in the disobedient or those living away from Jesus, those that are still dead. And it says in three, we too all, all of us, you and me, oh, I wasn't that bad, not an argument. Oh, uh, before Jesus was a pretty good person, not an argument, actually. It says we too all, all of us previously lived among them, the people, in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts inclinations if you don't know it's a big word right it is a person's natural tendency or urge to act or feel in a particular way a disposition or a propensity basically it's this natural urge it's this instinct in us that drives us towards sin naturally we're born into sin and what we crave what we want is sin you're not moral you, you can control your actions maybe but you can't control your heart that's why Jesus writes things like, uh, if you've ever looked at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. It's not about your actions, it's about your heart. And all of our hearts are jacked up. And we have these lusts, these, these cravings, these things that we desire. And just because you can control your body doesn't mean you can control your heart. It's not, it's not a real thing. You need a new heart. This says we were carrying out those urges, those natural instincts of our flesh and our thoughts and because of that look at this is by nature we were children under wrath as others were also this is what he says about you and me we were all headed towards the wrath of God that's our story you were on your way to be punished for your sin that's your story you were born headed towards punishment isn't that amazing you were born dead, under the power of Satan, headed towards the wrath of God. That's you. I mean, that's not a good place to be in today, is it? 
I know maybe you're like, I don't really want to hear all this. Thank you for that. Why are you bringing up all this deep, dark, depressing stuff? Well, because there's no good news if you don't understand the bad news. The good news is actually not very good if it's like, well, I was a pretty good person. Why'd Jesus have to die then if you were a good person? Because you weren't a good person. You were a dead person under the power of Satan headed towards the wrath of God. You had earned hell. It wasn't like you were going to be a victim of hell and you were just going to stumble into it because of something Adam and Eve did. It's you had earned it. You had checked every box in the lust of your heart and you were headed towards the wrath of God and you deserved it. You deserved every bit of it. You should right now and for eternity burn because you're an evil, wicked person. Hallelujah, amen, revival. There's nothing good about you. There's nothing good about you. You're like, I'm not that bad. Yeah, you are. You were dead (laughs) in your trespasses and your sins. No, I wasn't that bad. No, you were dead. Sin didn't come to make you bad. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum, right? Like maybe you were a moral dead person, but you're still dead, and you're still under the power of Satan, and you're still headed towards the wrath of God. That's the story of all of our hearts. That's all of us. There's not one person that is not true for aside from Jesus that has ever been born in flesh. That's the bad news. Amen. Let's pray, right? Wouldn't that be good this morning? Some of you need that this morning more than you need anything else because you walk around and you think you're such a good person and you're not. You walk around and you're like, oh, Jesus, he had to save me because I'm pretty good. I'm a church person. I wear church clothes. I go church. Who cares? You're dead. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't cuss. Well, that's great for you, brother. What's your heart say when that person cuts you off? What's your heart say when somebody talks bad about you? You might hold your tongue because you, you have control more so than some of us, but can you hold your heart? And the truth is no, because your heart is dead. You were born with a dead heart. It's a problem that's happened all the way since Genesis 3. And some of us focus so much on actions. We're like, oh, I'll go to church. Who cares? There's all kinds of people go to church. Oh, I, I listen to whatever radio station. They play Jesus music. Who cares? Who cares? I've seen people listen to Jesus music, and I know you're cussing that person in your head. Who cares? It's not about your actions, it's about your heart. And we were all born into spiritual death under the power of Satan. You're like, no, not me. Yes, you. And you were headed towards the wrath of God, and you deserved it. And if God would have sent you there, guess what? God would still be good. If he let everybody burn, he would still be good. Why? Because good people punish bad things. That's what happens. If God would have let you burn forever in hell, he would still be just and he would still be holy and he would still be right and he would still be righteous and none of that stuff would change. And today, for some of us, that's the message. You ain't good. Get over yourself. You're not good. Quit acting like you are. You're not better than anybody else that's ever breathed because your story started the same way. Maybe they're still living in the story, but what do we read in 2 Corinthians 4.4? It's not because they're bad or they're dumb. It's because they're blind. Quit being so cocky. You're not smarter. Jesus just blessed you and he opened your eyes. And the prayer is not, oh, God, burn all the sinners, because that includes me. 
The prayer is God, open eyes and send the church. So the bad news today is, apart from Jesus, you're spiritually dead, you're under the power of Satan, and you're headed towards the wrath of God. That's the bad news. That's the starting place of the gospel. Because until you get that, you're never going to get anything else. I said the prayer. Yeah, but before you said that prayer, did you even realize what you were being saved from? You can't be saved from, I'm a good person. But you can be saved from, I'm a wicked heart, who's dead and under the power of Satan and deserves hell. So the bad news is today, that's where everybody's story starts. What a depressing thing if that was the whole story. Fortunately for us, it is not actually the entire story. There's an amazing word that just happens right here out of this. God just put it right there, and the word is three letters, and it's but. See, because in, that, in, in those three letters, there's hope, right? Like that's a transitional phrase. We're moving on from the old story into hope of something other than that. Like, thank God that his three-letter word was not and. <laughs> He didn't say, oh, you were dead and you were under the power of Satan and you're headed towards the wrath of God. And, did he? That's hopeless. But he said, but. You were headed towards the wrath of God, but something happened right here that made a possibility for you to change directions. You were dead in your sin, but something happened right here. God put a little word right here that says there's hope that that doesn't have to be the end of my story. That's not a period. We're just going to put a little comma there, and we're going to continue on to something else. We have hope and opportunity in this one word, and that is the essence of the gospel. There's something more than I was dead, and I'm headed towards the grave, and beyond the grave, I'm headed towards hell. There's something greater there, but I love what God does. He doesn't say, but, and then just go on to what the new story is. He lets us know that there is something that enacts the new story and it's not you he didn't say but you does he but you cleaned your life up how many people have heard you've tried to talk about the jesus thing with somebody and they're like man i'd love to come to church but i'm gonna have to clean my life up first i'm gonna have to get my stuff together first oh i hear the gospel but i'm gonna have to come down here and i'm gonna have to pray first what kind of false nonsense is that when did it ever depend on you? See, the truth of it is, all we could ever get ourselves was death in our power, right? And you. This is your story. This is all you could do. And you were dead. Every ounce of strength we could ever muster got us dead. Every ounce of morality and goodness we could ever muster got us dead. Every ounce of good deeds we could ever leave let us end up dead. We needed something stronger, more powerful than us. And the something is not but you, it's but God, if your story is a but you story, you still dead. But God, I was headed towards the wrath of God, but God did something about it. I was dead in my sin and my trespasses, but God enacted a new story. He put a comma on old me and he continued with, but look what I can do. Look how I can get you out. Look at my story. Now I'm going to place you in my story. We're not going to continue your story. We're going to pull you in to a bigger story and that story has to be a but God story your story will never be a bigger story but inside of God's story you can live a bigger life 
And it says, you, bad news, were dead. And you were under the power of Satan. You were headed towards the wrath of God. You weren't good. You weren't moral. You weren't kind of getting your stuff together. You were dead at your best. But God pulled you out of that, or at least made a way to. And it says, who, by the way, let's learn about this God, just in case you didn't know. Who is abundant in mercy? Can we put abundant up there? Rich is some Bible translation. I didn't look up abundant. That's not her fault. That's my fault. Put rich back up there. Abundant rich is the same word, right? Who's rich in mercy? I have a study out of a different Bible. I should quit doing that. Rich is a word meaning plentiful or abundant. Our God who is rich in mercy, our God who is abundant in mercy, let's look at this, our God who is plentiful in mercy. Let me just sum that up for you. Our God who has piles and piles and piles and piles of mercy. Our God who has storehouses in heaven stocked full of mercy. Our God who will never run out or never run short of mercy. Our God who has a limitless bank account of mercy. Our God who doesn't need a credit card for mercy because he's got a debit card for mercy. Our God who's got it in the bank mercy, right? But our God who is abundant in mercy. What's mercy? It's coming. Not coming. Okay, we didn't get that one. Mercy. Our God who is abundant in mercy. Mercy is just when someone has the, the, the power to punish you, but they choose not to. That's what mercy is. We deserved punishment. We deserve wrath. We already talked about that, right? But somebody with the power and ability to, to crush you decides to expend or extend this unmerited favor and love. That's what mercy is. Mercy is the unmerited favor and love of someone who had the ability to crush you. In other words, God didn't say, oh, it's okay, you're not that bad. He said, I see you, I see you're dead, I see you're under the power of Satan, and I see you're headed towards the wrath of God. But luckily for you, I got a bank account full of mercy. And I could crush you, but I choose not to crush you. It says, but God who is abundant in mercy because of what? Because you're good? No. Because of what? Because you got it together? No. Because of what? Because you cleaned up your act and cleaned up your life? No. It doesn't say any of that, does it? It says, because of his... That's him. Great love, right? Not because of your great love. Not because you came to church. Not because you decided to be a good person. Not because you decided you like Jesus songs. Not because any of that stuff. This is because of his great love. That what? That he had for us. Where are you happening in that story? At the end after everything's done. Right? But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love, that's him, that he had for us, that's him. And at the end, we get to be the recipients. It's not because of anything that we've done is what the Bible's saying. That's the good news today. It's not a but you story. It's a but God story. God's not trying to improve your story. He's trying to get you out of your story and put you in a bigger story. Because here's the reality. Your life always heads to death, but through God, your life can be a big, big life. This is because of his great love that he had for us. He made us. Here we are being the recipients again. We didn't make anything. He made us alive. Amen. You, you didn't do anything, did you? You've done anything up to this point in the story? Except be dead. You sinned. 
right? That was you. That was your story. You had trespasses. That was your story. And because of that, you were dead and you were under the power of Satan and you were headed towards the wrath of God. That's everything that you did action-wise. That's all the verbs for you. But then God stepped in. There was a but God, not a but you. And because of his great love that he had for us, he gave you mercy and he made you alive. There were no verbs for you in that. There was no action words for you in that. There was nothing you did in that. All you did was receive. No work. This is, (laughs) he made us alive. How? With the Messiah, the Savior, who's entering the story right here? Jesus, yes, Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the one we've been talking about ever since Genesis 3 when he said, guess what, he's going to pierce your heel, but you're going to crush his head. That's the guy that steps in the story right here in Ephesians 2. It said, God, he, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive, and the vessel that he chose to do that with was not us, but with Jesus. What does he mean there? With Jesus' righteousness, we were made alive. With, with the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we were made alive. As Jesus was born and Jesus lived a perfect life and he did all the actions, right? He did all the work and then he climbed up on a cross and he took our sin and our shame and he passed out his goodness. That was the transaction there. He became Jesus the liar so we could become Brad the forgiven. That's the transaction here, Right? It says he made us alive with the Messiah. So Jesus died. They put him in a hole, and God resurrected him. And as he resurrected him, he made a way that we could all be resurrected. It's all tied back to the empty tomb. My empty tomb comes through Jesus' empty tomb. You see how everything we've been talking about is just stacking up on this? It says that God made us alive with Jesus, with the Messiah. And then it just so we know, even though we, Paul putting himself in the story here, were dead in trespasses. Even though we deserve death, God gave us life through Jesus is what it's saying. I love this because this was our story. Do we have our story up there? We got that? I gave you those three little words. Our story, we got a story up there. We were spiritually dead sinners, and we were under the power of Satan, and we were headed towards the wrath of God. That was our whole story. But God, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though that's who we were. And then it says this, by grace... You are saved. Now, grace is this. Grace is the free and unmerited, right? Free and unearned favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners. You cannot receive grace until you realize you're a sinner because grace isn't for anybody else. Grace, by definition, is only for sinners. Thank God I know my story. Because it says that grace is the free, right? I didn't do anything. I didn't have any verbs. And unmerited, unearned. I didn't do anything. He just says it twice, right? Favor of God is manifested in the salvation of sinners. And it goes beyond that because God didn't only save us. He changed our story because he gave us a bestowal of blessings. Amen. 
Some of you guys are like, man, I'm so glad I'm saved. I don't have to go to hell. Man, you just came in the door right there. That's like just the beginning of the story change. That's where it just kind of flips over. And there's more than that, right? The gospel is not just like we were dead in our trespasses and sin and God made us alive. Man, that's an amazing gospel. That's good, but that's not the full storehouse of grace. Thank God I'm a sinner because, I, man, I want some of this grace. Because listen to this. It says, he, he made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in our trespasses. By grace, that stuff, that beautiful stuff, we are saved. And then he goes on, he says, hey, by the way, he also raised us up with him, being Jesus. And he seated us, past tense, with him in the heavens. That's grace. And I love it because look at what Paul does. He didn't say, and will seat us, did it? He's writing to a church that's very much still hanging out in the pews, right? They're still sitting around in the basement or kind of huddled around the worship leader. They're still sitting on earth, and he looks at them, and he says, but you are seated, past tense, in the heavens. You know what he's saying to them? He's saying, man, I just want you to know I'm so sure about this. I'm going to talk about it like it's past tense because God's already done all the work. You may not be in heaven, but there's a little place card on a table up there waiting for you. You got a spot. You got a seat. It is reserved in Jesus. You have a place in heaven. And I'm so certain about it. I'm going to talk about it like it happened a month ago. You are already seated in the heavens. You're just waiting to get to your seat. You ever heard a call ahead when you like call and you're like, hey, I'm coming. And they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to get you a spot. Show up at this time. You got a place. Man, we got a call ahead in heaven is what he's saying to us that are saved. He's like, man, you got a spot through Jesus. You got a place in heaven. You don't have to work for it or try to get there. It's already done at the cross. When Jesus died and Jesus was resurrected, God set a table in heaven and he put a place card there for everybody that would ever know Jesus. And you're not like going to show up at heaven and God be like, oh, I didn't really think you'd make it. (laughs) He's like, let me show you to your seat. That's called grace, by the way. That's called grace. He says, let me, let, me just, let me just go on if that wasn't impressive enough for you. He's like, we are seated in the heavens in Christ Jesus, not through you, but through him, in seven for a reason. So that in the coming ages, all eternity, every single day, forever. You know how long eternity is? Yeah, I can't grasp it either, but it's forever. I don't even know what forever looks like. I've never met anything that's forever. Everything I've ever experienced will one day pass away except for God. And I get to be part of forever in him. And forever, for every single day, for the endurance, right? I can't even find a word for it. I'm going to be with him. So that in the coming ages, he might do what? He might display the immeasurable riches of his grace. We're going to be learning about grace for all of eternity. That is the gospel, right? It's not like, oh, by the way, this is the full depth of it. Some of you guys are so unimpressed. Well, let me just tell you, if you're unimpressed here, you're going to be unimpressed in heaven because we're living in grace today, and we're just one day going to make a transition, and we're going to be living in grace in the presence of God. And for eternity, he's going to be like, let me show you my grace. You know what? It's Tuesday now somewhere on the cosmic calendar. Let me show you some more grace. The next day, I got some more grace for you. The next day, I got some more grace for you. It says he's going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace in his kindness to us listen to this in christ jesus some of you are so unimpressed with the cross they're going to be talking about the cross for forever 
You're like, quit talking about salvation. They're going to be talking about salvation forever. It's an impressive thing. Remember when the angel was in the tomb, and they're like, you don't have to be afraid, but you can be amazed, right? You should be amazed. It's the same thing today. You don't have to be afraid, because forever, it does sound like a long time, but we're going to be in the presence of God, those of us that know Jesus, forever. And you don't have to be afraid of that, but you can be amazed at that. You should be amazed at that forever. We're going to be talking about and singing about God's goodness to us through what he did for us in Jesus. We don't even comprehend what it cost him and until we see him we're going to have such a little piece of it and one day you're going to lay eyes on Jesus and you're going to be blown away and it's going to take you the rest of eternity to get over it let's start today it says for by grace there's that word again you are saved through what through faith through belief it is a simple faith today it is a simple faith today everybody wants to come put bars on it and constraints on it and shackles on it paul calls it freedom we are saved in freedom he says for by faith we are saved it sounds so easy because it is why do not more people do it because they're spiritually blind And this is not from, look at that, just so we don't think it's us anymore. It's not from yourself. How many times do we have to hear that today? A lot. We should preach it again next week. It's not from ourselves. It is God's gift, not from work, so that no one can boast. You know why God didn't let you participate? Because you'd be bragging about how you saved yourself. Oh, man, I was headed towards hell, but then I lifted myself up out of my pit. No, you were dead. God lifted you up. If you lifted yourself up, you're still sliding down the wall. It says, for we are his creation created, listen to this, created in Christ Jesus. He calls us a new creation in a different book. We're something completely different from what we used to be. The story didn't change. Everything about us changed. We were created in the moment we gave our lives to Jesus in Christ. For, listen to this, good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. I love that. You're like, oh, don't you be talking about works. I don't want to do the works. Man, if you don't want to do the works, you do not understand grace. You have a very small understanding of grace if you don't want to step into God's plan. See, the reality of it is Jesus, when he came and he died, he did way more than just lifting us up out of hell. He took our whole story And he lifted us up out of it. And he placed us in a bigger story, the story of God. We got to leave our death and our sin. And we got to leave our under the power of Satan. And we got to leave our I'm headed towards the wrath of God. And we got to be lifted up out of that. And we got to be placed in a story that's so much bigger than ours. And part of that, kind of the side effects of that were we were saved. And we don't have to go into the wrath anymore. You know why? Because the wrath is in the old story. It's not in the new story. By definition, I left every part of that story and I stepped into a new story. I was saved and the transition happened through God. But God did so much more in those moments than just keep us from going into hell. He saved us for himself, for a relationship with him. And because he wanted us with him, he pulled out a seat for us at the table of God in heaven. And he put a little place card there. That happened at the moment you gave your life to Jesus. So not only did we inherit the fact that we are sons and daughters of God, he put us at the table of God. 
so that forever we could just continue to see how good God really is to us. You're like, why do we have to talk about the sin thing? You will never understand how good God is until you understand how bad you are. You'll never understand how good his grace is until you understand how undeserving of any of that grace you are. It's just part of the story. Until you realize that's the old story, you will never appreciate the new story. If you're walking around, I was pretty good, and then I said a prayer one day. That's all about you. That's your story, and you're still living in your story, and I'm afraid for you that maybe you're still dead because my story happened with the bang. It was, I was dead, I was trespasser, I was the offender, I was not innocent, I was horrible and bad, I was the worst kind of sinner, but God lifted me up out of that, and he put me in his story, and when he put me in his story, he did more than just change my destination for eternity. He adopted me, he made me a son of God, and then he set a place at the table for me, and forever, I'm still going to be amazed at the cross. You know why I'm amazed at the cross today? Because it's a big deal. And I can't wait to sit there and to really know forever, every single day, what really a big deal it is. If you're unimpressed with the cross, you don't know the Jesus that hangs on it. But then he did something amazing beyond that. He said, while you're still here, I'm going to invite you into the very work of God. Not only are you going to be, look, he finally lets us participate. Everything else God did for us, and then he says, you know what, since I've transformed you, I'm going to trust you to participate in the story of God. And people in church get offended when you start talking about work, and oh, it's not me, I'm too busy. Well, then you don't understand really the grace that work is. It's not a punishment. It's not something that just keeps this behemoth going. I'll do it by myself if God allows me to do it, because I love it. God has welcomed me into grace, and through his grace, I get to stand and I get to talk about him, and that's beautiful. Through his grace, if you get to stand at the door and you get to usher people into the presence of God, that is a blessing. In the rain, in the cold, in the hot, it is a blessing. If you get to sweep the bathroom right after, right? That's a blessing. Amen, hallelujah. That's a blessing. God invited you into the work of God. And in any place, big, small, in between, God will use you. And if you will allow God to use you in the small, God will always use you in the big. I didn't start out on a stage preaching in front of people. I started out with a mop in a gym. I'm not saying that to glorify me. I don't love to mop. I hate mopping. I do it on Thursdays unless Jack takes it away from me. Jack likes to mop too. I'm thankful for Jack. But it's a blessing to serve our God. Because he doesn't need our service. It's a blessing to be included in the story of God in a way that we get to make a difference because God doesn't need you to make a difference. God shows up in the Middle East to people in dreams and says, you're going to follow Jesus. You know why? Because the church won't go there. And God will be known. He has sheep and he will call his sheep. And if you won't get off your butt, he will call them without you. God invites us into the work of God. And that is grace. That somebody would stand and say that you have a part in their salvation story. That is grace. That is grace because God didn't need you, but he allows you. See, God is not interested in just changing your destination. He wants to change your story, and he takes what we used to be. Can we put what we used to be up there one more time? That's the new story, what we used to be. We used to be spiritually dead sinners. That was you and me. Maybe some of us still are. 
And we used to be under the power of Satan. That was you and me. And maybe some of us still are. And I know for a fact we got friends and family all over the place that still are. They're not bad. They're controlled. And we were headed towards the wrath of God. We were headed towards hell. And there wasn't one thing we could do about it. And some of you know it because you tried. I prayed a million times before I ever got saved that God would save me. You know why? Because I didn't want to walk to the front of a room. God walked to a cross and died on it, but I wouldn't take 17 steps to the front of a room. And I prayed over and over because I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I prayed over and over in my bed at night when nobody was around. God saved me. And he wouldn't talk to me. You're like, that's cruel. No. I didn't realize what I was. And if I wasn't willing to pay the 17 steps to get there, I wasn't coming out of it anyway. I was a spiritually dead sinner, and I was under the power of Satan, and I was headed towards the wrath of God. That was me, but look at what God did, because God always flips the script. God is always ready to pull us out of our small story and put us in a big story. This is what we are now. We are saved sons and daughters of God. That's us. That's reality for those of us that know him. We're not those kind of people down the street from God. We're not them people seven doors down from God. We're, we're saved sons and daughters of God. He invites us into the family, not because you're good, but because he's good. Not because you loved him, but because he loved you. You didn't have anything to do with that. God pulled you out and put you in. You were saved sons and daughters of God. That's your identity in Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you different. And you are now seated in the heavens. That's you today. That's you today if you know Jesus. You are seated in the heavens. You're like, I don't feel like I'm in heaven. No, you got a spot in heaven, and it's assured today. It's not like maybe I'll get there. If you're on the maybe I'll get there track, you need to let God change your story. It's an assurance today through the blood of Jesus. You are seated in the heavens if you know him. This isn't everybody on the planet. It's the people who give their life to him. And we are destined for good works. Not we might enter into them. Man, they are out there. They are in front of us. They are in our fingers' reach. They are in front of us. And all we got to do is step into them today. It's not like, man, I want to make a difference for God. No, you don't or you will. I want to live a significant life for God. No, you don't or you will. Right? God laid them out there. It's not like significant works for the people that God has specifically called inside of the church that are just really good people. That's not part of the verse, is it? It says that Jesus laid out good works that were prepared ahead of times for us, that we are destined for good works if we'll just get on board with what God's doing. That is the grace of God. It's not by your power and your ability. It's by his power and his ability. The whole story is that way. And God today is saying, step into the story. Step into the story. Some of you guys today, you've never entered into the story of God. You're still living in the, I'm a sinner, and I'm dead, and I'm headed towards the wrath of God, and I'm under the power of Satan. Some of you guys are still in there today, and I'm praying the spiritual blindness of your life will be broken today, that God will allow you to step into a relationship with him. I know for a fact he's talking to people's hearts today, and and you're on the thing. And I'm just saying to you, if you're not willing to take the 17 steps, then you live in the old story. But today, if you'll humble yourself and you'll say, I don't care what any of these people think, I just know that I'm living in death and I want to be one of those sons and daughters of God. I want not a spot in hell, but a spot in heaven. And I'm tired of just doing the thing. I want to pull up to the table today. I just want to say to you, God will let you in.
He's inviting you in today. Some of you today, you, you're living in that, that, that place of maybe Satan has no physical power over you, but you're allowing him to have power over your life. And I just want to say to you today, you have a spot in the heavens. What are you doing with that guy? You don't have to live in that. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to be that. You don't, you don't have to continue to wallow in shame and guilt. You don't have to live in that bubble. You have a spot in the heavens. Your dad pulled out a seat at the table, and he's saying, you can step up into life and grace and hope and mercy. You don't have to wallow in sin and shame. I did all the work. Step into the work. And for some of you today, you treat work like it is the greatest curse on the church ever. And God's saying, you just step into my plan and you see what I won't do for your life. You know, you know what David did when he stepped into the plan of God? I'll just throw David out there. He, he was watching sheep and God said, you've been faithful with the sheep, so why don't you step into my plan? And he pulled him up out, but he pulled him up out over a long distance, right? Some of you guys want to be king of the kingdom right now, and God's just saying, hey, how about you come and fight some giants for a while? You want to be king of the kingdom right now? Well, how about you just wander around in the woods trusting in me for a while, running from the enemy? How about you do that? And you be faithful in that, and I'll put you there. How about, how about you just step into the, and you're, you're going to be the musician today. You're going to play the harp, right? You're, <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing instrument. You're going to play the harp. It's nerdy. Uh, that's where you're going to be. Um, but I'm going to move you. You do something and I'll do the rest. You just step into the work of God. Don't treat it like it's a curse. And you step into the work of God and you see where I'll put you. Abraham, right? God says, come follow me and I'll do these things. You know how long he waited for some of those things? See, God molded him in the waiting. But man, he made it to the good works, didn't he? Still talking about him. I think we talked about Paul uh, the, the other night. He, he went into the woods. He went onto a mountain for like three and a half years, three years, three and a half years. Him and Jesus. Nobody knew he existed. Nobody cared. Three and a half years, just him and God. And God pulled him out and he said, hey, you're going to write most of the theology they're going to be talking about in churches for thousands of years. It's going to be amazing. You've got to be three and a half years in obscurity, but then I'm going to move you here. It's grace. It's grace. Who's Paul? Who's Paul? We don't know. We just know his... We just know Jesus through Paul. We don't know anything about Paul, really. Who's Abraham? I, I don't really know. I know. I know that a lot of us can hear about God and his character through Abraham, but I don't know what he liked to play. I don't know if he was a hockey fan or football fan. It didn't matter. You know why? Because our old life's gone. We've been placed in a new life. So we can continue to live in insignificance in old us or we can step into our new story and we can be saved and uh, saved sons and daughters seated in the heavens destined for good works or we can continue just to live and act like everybody else but God's calling some of you into more today and I just want to say today if he's calling you into more step into it step into it it's going to be not a fun ride at times but it's going to be worth it let's pray